Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. We focus on the quarterback position in our look at Week 11 Sunday on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everybody, Fantasy Football in 15 is live here Monday, November 23rd. I am Michael Beller, I am joined by Derek Van Riper, as I am for every episode of Fantasy Football in 15. We've got one more Week 11 game still ahead of us. Rams and Buccaneers getting together on Monday Night Football, but we had ourselves one heck of a Week 11 Sunday. We're going to talk about some things that happened mostly at the quarterback position. DVR uh, was quite the interesting day, starting off, of course, in New Orleans. How you doing? Doing well. It uh, turned out better than I expected for Taysom Hill in that matchup against the Falcons. Yeah, it did for me too, and that's, I mean, where else could we possibly start uh, when we're looking back at Week 11 than with Taysom Hill? Uh, we knew he was going to be dangerous as a runner, right? And that's really where he made his uh, presence felt. 10 carries for 51 yards, two scores on the ground in the Saints' 24-9 victory over the Falcons, but didn't look too bad as a passer either. 18 for 23, 233 yards 10 yards per attempt, basically right on the dot there for Taysom Hill. Uh, one thing is for sure, Derek, so long as Drew Brees is out, Taysom Hill is going to be the starter. I think that we went into that game thinking, you know, if he plays shaky, maybe Jameis gets in on Sunday, or maybe they turn to Jameis Winston in Week 12. But with the way he played, I think it's safe to say that Taysom Hill is going to start so long as Drew Brees is out. And so... What does that make Taysom Hill in the fantasy world going forward? I mean, is this someone who we should be clamoring to get anywhere where he is available this week? I think he's probably more in that QB 11 to 15 range in a good matchup. And he, that's exactly what he had for this start. I mean, I think you know as well as I do that facing the Falcons can you know skew perception of what a player might do for an offense. Uh, I think the most prominent example might be Nick Foles in relief earlier this season coming in against the Falcons and looking like he was going to carry the Bears offense on his shoulders for the rest of the season. That didn't happen. The Falcons are one of the absolute worst defenses in the league at stopping opposing passers. So, you know, 10 yards per attempt. Great. I mean, I'm happy for Taysom Hill that he played well. 
Round one goes to Sean Payton. Uh, the rushing is where the floor comes in, right? That's what makes him a guy that mm-hmm. can push the back of the top 10 some weeks. Two rushing touchdowns, a little fluky, of course, especially on a team that has two very capable backs with Kamara and Latavius Murray. I'm looking at the breakdown, and I'm wondering how much we should worry about Kamara's volume. Is this a fluke that he didn't catch a pass and was only targeted once in this matchup? In a more competitive game, I would think he stays involved. I think it's really encouraging to see Michael Thomas with a 9 for 104 on 12 targets. I was more worried about Thomas than Kamara coming into this game. So I'm looking at this and feeling a lot better than I did about the Saints offense, but I am trying to pump the brakes a little bit because, again, the Falcons can confuse us. Next week, it'll be a bit more difficult going on the road to Denver against the Broncos defense that actually looked a lot better than it had in recent weeks against the Dolphins. Yeah, I think um, I, I think the Alvin Kamara one target, zero catches, that feels like a fluke to me. Right? I mean, this is still Alvin Kamara, and you wouldn't expect Taysom Hill to change the offense in that way. I mean, frankly, you don't want to take your second most dangerous pass catcher out of the lineup like that, no matter what the quarterback is, what the quarterback skill set is. So I think that's just a confluence of certain factors that led to Alvin Kamara having essentially no impact whatsoever on this game through the air. If I am invested in Alvin Kamara, which I am quite heavily, in fact, what concerns me is Taysom Hill two-yard rushing touchdown, Taysom Hill 10-yard rushing touchdown. I mean, even though Latavius Murray is someone who we know can be effective in really every situation that uh, he's asked to be in as a running back, we saw it in Minnesota, we've seen it from him in New Orleans, this has been the Alvin Kamara show all season. And even once they get inside the 10, inside the 5, in those goal-to-goal situations, they're not shying away from using Alvin Kamara there, and he has delivered time and time and time again. So that has really belonged entirely to Alvin Kamara. Now you suddenly see two touchdowns on the ground inside the 10-yard line go to Taysom Hill. One of them was a scramble. One of them was a designed run. Either way, that has to have you at least a little bit concerned about what Kamara's touchdown upside might be for the remainder of the season. And it's still going to be high. He's still Alvin Kamara, and he still did get into the end zone in this game. But it has been the top of the top at this running back position, basically him and Dalvin Cook. And I wonder if maybe it comes down a little bit. But I still think in sum, when we look at New Orleans in one game with Taysom Hill as the starter, you have to feel pretty good about everyone involved because the bottom didn't fall out of the offense. And then something else to keep in mind here, Derek, when we look at Taysom Hill going forward, Saints are now 8-2. and two. First place in the NFC South, the number one seed in the NFC after the Packers dropped a heartbreaker to the Colts. They fall to 7-3. and three. Even if we grant the Buccaneers a win tonight against the Rams, they're at 8-3. and three. The Saints swept that season meeting. You get to a point where do the Saints start to think about just sitting Drew Brees down and waiting to get him back on the field for the playoffs? I mean, 11 rib fractures in a collapsed lung. If they keep winning games and keep winning games, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Taysom Hill start for the rest of the regular season. And that, that, that totally changes what his fantasy value is for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I think <laughs> this is a Saints offense, though, that when it's working, it works with a very skinny production tree. And yep. I think that's the thing that I liked most about what we saw in Week 11. We didn't have second and third options or guys that are generally backup stepping up. A lot of times that happens when a backup quarterback takes over. The fourth or fifth receiver is the guy he's worked the most with in practice 
that guy suddenly becomes viable and we're going to make this difficult decision. But as Breeze goes, yeah, I mean, I think they can definitely err on the side of caution. And if something does happen to Taysom Hill, they're well positioned with Jameis as a fallback option. I still think they're getting this wrong, even though Hill played well in week 11. But clearly, this is the direction Sean Payton wants to go. Look at their immediate schedule coming up. You mentioned they've got Denver next week in Denver. Then they get a rematch with Atlanta, that one in Atlanta. After that, a third straight road game in Philly. And they're going to be favored in all those games. Then they come home to take on Kansas City. And then week 16, they're home for Minnesota. I mean, they're going to be favored in every single game with the possible exception of Kansas City. And even Kansas City coming to New Orleans with that game being in New Orleans they could be favored in that one as well. So uh, we could be seeing a whole lot of Taysom Hill uh, for the real Saints and for fantasy managers for the remainder of the season. Unfortunately, one player who we will not be seeing for the remainder of this season is Joe Burrow. His rookie season came to an end on Sunday, suffered a torn ACL in the Bengals, lost to the Washington footballs. Uh, just a, a really uh unfortunate injury for any player to suffer, especially someone like Joe Burrow. And now we're, you know, into late November here, Derek. This could be something that compromises him for the start of the 2021 season. We saw Ryan Finley come in and finish that game out, and we did not see really anything from the Bengals offense from that point forward. And if you are invested in Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, A.J. Green, Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon, when he's back and he is now on IR, he won't be back till at least week 14, I mean, this could be an offense that really falls off a cliff with Burrow done for the season. I think you have to be concerned about that going forward. Yeah, I think it takes someone like Bernard, who with the volume he's getting while Mixon is out, it really puts him on the borderline flex consideration, toss-up every week sort of position because the ceiling for the offense is so much lower without Joe Burrow. Unfortunately, Ryan Finley is just not one of those backups that we trust. I mean, this is a situation, too, where... I imagine the Bengals are going to try and slow things down, try to run the ball a lot more. Maybe we see a second running back step up and get a little more involved, not enough to be fantasy relevant, but I'm very worried about the makeup of this offense. Where do you draw the line with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins? I think A.J. Green's been pretty up and down, and I think he probably gets bumped off of starter consideration most weeks now as well. But what are you doing with Boyd and Higgins in particular? Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you, is it better or worse same uh, for the, as we saw with Dallas, when Dak Prescott went down with his season-ending injury? And I think it's worse. You know, I mean, we, we are going to talk about Dallas in a second here, but I think it's worse stuff with uh, going from Joe Burrow to Ryan Finley. I think we could be talking about, I think, you know, I'm, I would say as, a, as we sit here right now, first absorbing the Joe Burrow news. I think those guys are both in wide receiver three territory, and I think that they could trend out of that. I don't think Tyler Boyd's going to fully trend out of it just because of what the volume considerations are for him every single week, but I think T. Higgins could struggle to produce like a fantasy starter for the rest of the season, and I think it goes from a position where you were pretty much starting Boyd no matter what, and you were starting Higgins in four out of every five situations, that maybe you're going to have to question both of them for the rest of the season. Are you on that page as well? Yeah, I think Higgins is the guy I'm a little more worried about. We've seen Tyler yeah. Boyd, in part because he's got a little more experience, deal with some bad quarterback situations previously in his career and it hasn't completely cratered him. Uh, so I do think Higgins immediately falls into that same sort of tier as Gio Bernard does where you're saying, you know what, I was completely trusting him based on previous usage with Burrow. Now I'm looking very carefully at the wire, looking very carefully at my bench options 
and lowering my week-to-week expectations by quite a bit. Again, it comes really down to less touchdown upside across the board for the entire offense on top of an expected reduction in targets. I just don't think they're going to run as many plays, partially by design and partially because they don't sustain drives nearly as effectively with Finley. So Boyd is probably still in in the 25 to 30 range among wide receivers for me if I'm thinking about Week 12. Higgins probably falls just below that. I mean, there's probably some situations in season long where you'd have to start him. It's not a horrible matchup against the Giants, but I think that's a defense that actually has a few more ways of getting pressure than people realize, and it could be a pretty ugly slog for the Bengals' offense in Week 12. There you go. That's something we're going to be talking about now for the rest of the season, a total recalibration for Cincinnati's offense with Joe Burrow out for the season after tearing his ACL. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Derek, two more things I want to talk about here. We're starting to run out of time, so let's try to get through them quickly. Can we trust J.K. Dobbins? Is he back on top? 15 carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Also caught two passes for 15 yards and a loss for the Ravens, an overtime loss to the Tennessee Titans. The big thing here, the other running backs in Baltimore. Five carries. Gus Edwards had three. Mark Ingram had two. 15, triple the number of carries for J.K. Dobbins. Lamar Jackson, 13 carries for him, 51 yards. But this feels like like when J.K. Dobbins was performing previously, he was doing it while basically in a 50-50 split with Gus Edwards. This was the first time we really saw him put distance between himself and the other backs, and I think that might be reason to get excited about him. Yeah, I think we're finally at that point in the season where the Ravens are done sort of playing around, I think. There's a fair question to be asked if Edwards is actually more valuable than Mark Ingram the rest of the way. Yeah, oh, for I think sure. Mark Ingram, I, I liked him coming into the season, but I think he's probably kind of in the Elshon Jeffrey phase of his career where you get a little stuck on recent production and the name, and you don't really think enough about who he's become as a player, the wear and tear he's accumulated from being in the league as long as he has. And I think, you know, with the Ravens, this game against the Titans was a big one. So if you want to understand their true intentions as an offense, I think. This is a pretty good place to start. I think Dobbins has been great all season. Plenty of broken tackles. Very capable out of the backfield as a pass catcher. That role could tick up a little bit too. And I think especially with the issues they've had throwing the ball, that's something Dobbins could really help them with. So this could be a lot like the old Miles Sanders sort of progression. We've talked about this all season. It's maybe wishful thinking in some ways, but I do think it lines up with some of the changes we've seen in this offense in recent weeks, really since the week seven bye, J.K. Dobbins' share of the touches has been elevated, and this was just one more notch up on the dial in week 11. All right, one more story to touch on, and I want to read it exactly as I wrote it in the show sheet because it really sums up how I think this question should be asked. It is, are the Cowboys 
kind of back-ish. Are they kind of back-ish, right? I mean, we saw a nice game for them, pulling the upset against the Vikings. Andy Dalton, 203 yards, three touchdowns. Needed 32 passes to get there, so he wasn't super efficient. Did complete 22 of those 32 passes. Ezekiel Elliott had his first 100-yard game of the season. 21 carries for 103 yards. He had one of those three receiving touchdowns. Amari Cooper, six grabs for 81 yards. CeeDee Lamb, four catches, 34 yards, and a touchdown. Also got two carries for 12 yards. They're not Dak Prescott-led numbers, but they are numbers that we haven't seen since Dak Prescott went down. It feels as though there was a leveling out for Dallas's offense here. And while the ceiling that they had with Dak isn't coming back until Dak comes back, hopefully for this team in 2021, depending on where he decides to make his free agent moves, that we can start trusting these guys. We can feel better about especially Zeke, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think about the matchup they've got on Thanksgiving Day against the Washington footballs. They just saw them back in week seven. That was the game in which Andy Dalton was... Uh, knocked out with a shot to the head, so it's actually a revenge game for him in Week 12. Uh, they had trouble with that pass rush. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if there's a lot of reason to believe it's going to be very different this time around, uh, but I do feel better about the Cowboys' offense beyond Week 12. The concern I have is that the schedule's actually pretty tough. you got Washington here in Week 12. The Ravens on the road in Week 13 will present a tough test. A nice soft matchup in Week 14, though, against the Bengals. A very banged-up San Francisco team in Week 15. And an Eagles team in Week 16 that, frankly, I'm just not scared of. They're not terrible, but they're not a matchup that I steer away from. So it gets easier after these next couple of weeks. And I think what we saw in Week 11 is at least a reason to be somewhat optimistic about a few of the players we had been relying on when Dak Prescott went down earlier this season. Let's wrap up this episode by summing up the NFC East perfectly for at least a couple of days until the Eagles take the field in Week 12 on Sunday against the Seahawks. For at least those few days, whoever wins Dallas-Washington will be in first place in in the NFC East. Tells you everything you need to know about that division. That's going to wrap things up here for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and enjoy Monday Night Football between the Bucks and the Rams. Go Chris Godwin. Need a big one. Talk to you guys soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 